seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 188 of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 188 episodes, still got my main man who has not died of heat stroke yet in Texas. How's it going, Brian? <laughs> it really is just now starting to get hot, though, because uh, we we broke our weather. <laughs> it's, it's just been bizarre. You know, that's kind of the case everywhere. I mean, even we were in Minneapolis a couple weeks ago. It was coming out of like a rainy season and like it was just starting to get warm. So I don't know what's going on anywhere. Even here, like it's it's warmer. But I mean, still, we haven't we're not even close to getting any real heat yet. So we got a rose bush that's half dead because we've had cold snaps, you know, in like the beginning of May. <laughs> it's just it's supposed to happen. Yeah, man. Weather, nothing makes sense anymore. It really doesn't. I don't even know. I, To be honest, I do feel for people that do a lot of stuff outside for their job or agriculture yeah. or whatever. Trying to figure all this out has to be crazy. Because you can't plan for anything anymore. But And honestly, even when I travel, like the week or two leading up to it, I'm like checking the five-day, 10-day forecast just to know, like, do I need to bring a hoodie? Do I need jeans? Is shorts okay? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Because everywhere you're traveling in the country, it feels like it's completely different now. You know, even on the same day, grandma's pinky toe is about as reliable as any other means yep. of forecasting the weather nowadays. That, that tricky hip starts getting a little sore. You're like, ah, yeah. we might be getting a cold front. <laughs> oh, man. Before we get into everything, because, man, we have a lot of stuff to talk about on this episode. You need to pay some love to our sponsors over at Cardsphere.com. And I mean that seriously. Good people over there. Great site. You can name your price on what you want to buy or sell cards for. And I'm using it regularly. Matter of fact, I just got something else in the mail yesterday that I put into my Hamza deck. So easy way to fill out some of your collections on a budget, which is pretty cool. Or even if you just want to fill out, fill out a commander deck, like great way to do that. Won't cost you very much. And it's a cool and different site to use if you haven't checked them out before. So go pay them some love over at cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show directly, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic and you can get a shout out just like Adam Hernandez, who also goes by Yeoman5 if you don't follow him online. Really cool dude. Uh, every new set that comes out, he does like 50 new decks or whatever. Dude's a machine. Like really nice dude. You should check him out. Also does some video game stuff online if you're into that. And finally, if you want to support the show, you can get some play mats and tokens over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. And boy, let's get into the stuff, because, man, we have a lot of stuff. All right, one of the, one of the things, and this is a little bit of both a gamer rant and a general society rant. But, and this comes up because I had somebody thought they were sharing a really interesting clip from a, a podcast I recorded with them. And that segment being taken out of context looked like I was critiquing something harsher than I was, which was fine. Like, I could deal with it. But the reality, though, is that it brought to light how often if you see something or we see something that we agree with, regardless of the rest of the context, we see a little, you know, 30 second, one minute clip or whatever, somebody's TikTok or YouTube short or whatever. 
if we agree with the sentiment, all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. We got to share it around. We got to do all this. If we disagree with it, that person's like the scum of the earth. I don't know how you could post that. This is the worst take ever. But And we don't ever stop to ask, like, what is the rest of the context around this clip that I'm seeing? Especially in a world now where everything is being clipped and shared and made for 30 and 60 second chunks and whatever, like there's whole conversation, like, especially when you're talking about somebody's podcast or a full interview segment or whatever, sometimes people are off the cuff going like, oh yeah. And on that topic, here's the thing, but you don't even know the topic they're referencing. Sometimes they're just having a discussion where they're doing, you know, thought exercises or whatever, like what if, or the perception could have been. And sometimes the person might actually agree with you in that clip, but you're looking at it because you're getting that one chunk that sounds negative, but you're not seeing what they said before or after it. You know, and I think we just got to be better about that. I think that is leading to a lot of anger. And sometimes people even just having to delete their social media accounts because people get so out of line for just someone having an opinion and explaining something, but you don't even know the context around it. And that's crazy that we do that when you really break it down and think about it. Because there's, I mean, hell, you know as well as I do, there's tons of things we've even talked about that if somebody would have passed us and just heard a, a segment out of context, they'd have right. been like, oh, these are the worst guys ever. When we might be explaining, for example, like the way a trans person was treated or whatever. But if you hear the part where we're talking about the bad thing that happened, it might look like we're just talking about trash and trans people. You know what I mean? If you don't hear the rest of the conversation. So just like, you got to be better about it. especially, and I will say even more so as we move into this like AI content generated, you know, whatever stuff where the most, I, I would say controversial, but the most likely to be viewed, clipped, shared, whatever stuff are going to be what gets clipped out of things and popped up on social media. Right. And we're already kind of there in, in some regards. And it's only going to get worse. So, yeah, just if you're going to pop off on some, at least ask for some context or try to see where the source was clipped from so you can go watch the full segment yourself or whatever. Because I've already done that on a few things. And I'm like, ah, this doesn't really align with what this person normally does. Let me go see what's up. And it's like, oh, OK, that makes more sense. You know, but you already see a thousand comments already hating on what they said or whatever. And it's like, ah, they're going to have to go delete that. They're already screwed. You know, and that sucks. The other thing, too, and I think I've mentioned this probably about 20, 30 episodes ago. But when you're tagging one, don't just go tagging content creators like if you are. And it's OK. Like, I want to have be engaged in discussions and whatever. And I'm going to use myself as an example. But when you share a link or share a video or whatever, a short or whatever it is. And there's no context and you just tag me in it. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, I, I for real don't know, like, cool, it's about magic or gaming or, I don't know, maybe sports or wrestling because I'm into a bunch of different stuff. But it's like, okay, but why are you tagging me in this? Like, I for real don't know what to do with this information or what type of response you're looking for. And what that leads to a lot of times, and I've had the same discussion with, with other creators, is a lot of times they just ignore it because they don't want to look like a bad guy saying, like, why did you share this with me? You know? Because that just looks bad, right? And you might genuinely be asking, like, I don't understand the context here. Why did I get shared? And then the other person gets defensive. And they're either mad at you because you're being rude or they feel embarrassed and they don't want to reply now. So then it's just awkward for everybody. 
So like, I'm all cool if you say like, hey, you were talking about this on your stream, or I remember last week on the podcast, y'all mentioned this, like, here's an example or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know why you're sharing it with me and what type of response you're looking for me to engage in. Remember, it is almost like a conversation. Like you wouldn't just walk into a room if me and Daquan are talking about, you know, magic cards and, ho- and holler out, hey, uh, 1917 Yankees who, yeah, without exactly. some kind of context. You know, like, why? Okay, but. Dude, that what is a that perfect example. With hundred percent, because that used to happen in the shop. Like you'd be having this conversation, and then random dude comes up and is like, "Well, I killed a twentieth level dragon with my fifth level paladin," and you're just like, "I like, I mean, like, what do yeah. we do with that?" Right? You just stepped into us talking about somebody's like fun campaign story, and you're just like, "I slayed a dragon," and we're like, "Yeah, okay." Like, I, I don't know where we go with it. And now it's awkward because, like, we don't want to look like we're ignoring you or talking down to you. But we also don't know, like, where that fits in what we're talking about. You know, and that's sort of what it feels like when you see that online. So, like, just some things to keep in mind when you're like context matters. Like, it's more and more every day. Context matters so much. But all right, that's all I got. I've wasted too much time there, Brian. I'm going to pass this over to you. All right, uh, Overwatch 2 has been out for quite a while now, so people, you know, were, have been asking, and GameSpot specifically asked, okay, what's up with the Overwatch 2 PV, which was one of the main reasons Activision Blizzard told us they even needed to do Overwatch 2, because there's not, if you take that away, a whole lot of difference between Overwatch 2 and Overwatch 1. And lo and behold, they confessed to GameSpot that they have done away with the with the whole play PVE mode that again was one of the the main things they sold us is the reason. Yeah, it's going to be so great. This is why you're going to have Overwatch two. We couldn't have this on Overwatch one. It's going to be too too incredible, too complex. You're going to love it. And yeah, they're not doing it. And only not only that, it also came out as the as the GameSpot reporter uh, dug further that it's been canceled for over a year. They've known for a while this wasn't ever coming out and have still just been using it as a selling point and you shut up while the game itself is free to play. We all know how that works. There's a battle pass. New characters now are gated behind the battle pass where, hey, yeah, you could either give us $10 now or you can grind a little 50. <laughs> you know, up to you. And of course, a lot of people that you don't have a whole lot of time on their hands for their for their game and say, you know, okay, fine, here's $10. So, yeah, this is a disaster. Nobody is happy. Uh, seeing uh, at least one content creator, he uh, took the, uh, he was playing Overwatch 2 and just removed the two. <laughs> you know, to make the point that there really doesn't seem, without this, there is virtual. Well, it went from 6v6 to 5v5, and uh, it's available, and that's even a good thing. Well, dude, I told you a while ago, like, I wasn't 100% sure that feature, one, was even greatly needed, but two, that it was even going to be a thing. And it felt like they were almost putting out, like, no, here's the reason we need to make Overwatch 2, and it just has to be built different to accommodate this, to get some heat off of them for moving to Overwatch 2. Some of the ones they've done in the past have actually been fun, but now they feel very recycled because they're not adding anything new to them. 
they, they originally had shown us something where you're going to have, you know, a whole talent tree and you were going to level up during the PV. And it actually did look a lot of fun. But again, it's been well over a year and, and radio silence on that. So people started digging and wow. It's, yeah, it's never happening. And people feel lied to. And people feel lied to because they were lied to. <laughs> were they trying to make it like... Oh, what was that other game? It, I, I feel like it had like a sort of shell cell shaded style where you had like level up on your weapons. Was it battle something? God, I don't remember, but it feels like they were trying to adopt that, which was at least reasonably popular. But yeah, not none of that sounds like it's happening. Yeah, they're just this is and even the the PVEs, you know, the stuff like Lucio Ball that's been reasonably popular. I think uh, Junkenstein's Revenge. And these were, were fun modes, but again, after you've shown us all this incredible new stuff, and you're gonna, well, I guess it's not happening here. Same old stuff that those modes probably are not gonna be as much fun because you promise a whole bunch of stuff you're not delivering. Yeah, and you know it's sad because. We had that conversation that if you were to show me two people, assuming they're both doing 5v5s, right, and they were playing Overwatch 1 or Overwatch 2, I can't really tell the difference. No, I don't even know really, if there is a significant difference. That's the main thing is, you know, 6 v six versus 5v5. And as I said, that's not necessarily a good thing that it cuts you down to one tank. And let's say that one tank is the Reinhardt that keeps diving in and getting killed immediately now you have no tanks but you still have two supports and two dps that would like somebody to to create space for them and it's not happening so just and i understand a lot of that was because of overwatch league and they wanted it to be you know they wanted because i say this as a fan of the game there is a lot of visual and audio clutter especially when everybody starts firing off their ultimate it was it was very difficult even if even somebody like me that's got hundreds of hours in sometime to see what was happening and figure out what's the part that I should be focused on. And it's going to end up turning this team fight. And of course, Overwatch leads kind of a disaster too, for a whole other set of reasons. So you change the game for your, for your league that really isn't taken off the way you hoped it would. Yeah, that's man. I, I feel for the people who play Overwatch because I feel like a lot of people enjoyed Overwatch one and it was just doing what it was doing and they were good with that. And the new things just not delivering. And they gave you no option. They turned the Overwatch one servers off. So your only option if you'd like to play Overwatch is Overwatch two. Cause I think they realize, you know, they just first of all, if, if you draw the comparison, it's it's a bad comparison. Cause as you said, it's virtually no different. So they had I think they really a lot of people wouldn't have moved over had you not turned Overwatch One server off. Well, that's fair. I mean, if Which you weren't going to get people to play the new one. else do this. Even the same company, you know, Call of Duty. Yeah, sure. Some people stay or continue to play the old Call of Duty, but Call of Duty is confident enough in their new game that they don't shut off the old one for another usually three or four years. Yeah, that's a good point. Because they're not worried that, oh, my God, nobody's going to play with it. That's never been a thing. Even the worst Call of Duties, the worst reviewed Call of Duties that they have put out, they've never had to go to, well, yeah, turn off the last one so we can trick people into playing this. Well, uh, man, I salute you Overwatch players putting up with yeah. it. Because, I again, yeah. I just don't see the difference in why they put did it. 
but I'm sure that's not going to sit well with the fans. Yeah, I also don't know how much longer people are going to put up with the player bases, dwindling content creators, or it just just at, at every level of Overwatch, people are outside of Activision Blizzard. Nobody can explain that why this would be a good thing. We've been lied to. Yeah, well, let's try to talk about some other more interesting things. Because it's that time of the week to talk about what we learned. And I think we both have some pretty interesting things here. So why don't you fire off and tell people what you got? All right. Uh, Wizards of Waverly Place is a very fondly remembered uh, sitcom from Lou yeah. Ren from uh, 07 to 2012 on Disney Channel. And a lot of people in the fan base picked up on what they felt was like just a very... Just very obvious queer energy between Selena Gomez's Alex character and Stevie, played by Haley Kiyoko. And actually, we've gotten some confirmation now from the former showrunner Peter Murrieta that, yeah, that was, you know, if you thought it was obvious, it's because they meant for it to be obvious. He did everything he was allowed to do on Disney Channel in the early 2000s to let you know that. Alex and Stevie were a little bit more than friends. And obviously with it being Disney Channel, it, there, there wasn't much, but they really were trying to, to, to give you the subtext. And obviously the entire fan base picked up on that Alex and Stevie were meant to be a couple. Man, you know what? If that came out today, they'd probably go ham on it just to get back at DeSantis right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they do seem to be trying to make a, at least, you know, they're trying to kind of dip their toes into the water, so to speak, with the gay representation. They're they're not, you know, this last movie, Strange World. They just, I think, maybe had they promoted it at all. Unfortunately, they really didn't. But yeah, yeah this is it, it's this a weird is a fun thing. story. You know, when when we talk about it, like when you know, kind of what happened where where wizards got tripped up is that you have these relationships with other countries. And you're trying to market there, and then you get in this weird balance of like, we kind of still want to tell these stories and want to have these characters, but like, how do we also not get people in trouble for engaging with our brand? How do we not lose money in some of these other countries? And it sucks that it has to be that way. But I think now I feel I get this vibe, and I don't know if it's true, but like, because of everything going on in Florida, Disney's feeling like, you know what? F it. Like, we're <laughs> going to talk about these things, we're going to share these things, right? And I don't know if it's the right reason for them to be doing it, but some positives might come out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I don't agree with the reason, but I'm down. <laughs> and it's great because, you know, Haley Kiyoko has mentioned that she was, you know, she, she, she is gay, but she was not out back then. But as she said, she really was unable to hide the lesbian energy that she was giving off. It even affected a lot of her auditions where companies just like, nah, she's just not right for this part. But uh, yeah. Disney went ahead and hired her. The fan base. The fan base loved her out, even though if Disney realized at the time why the fan base loved her so much. But it was, you know, and so many people have talked about how this relationship was really their gay awakening while they were watching the sitcom as kids. So that's just... And you know what's crazy? Like, I know this show was was working because, well, one, it had a long run, but yeah. I have not seen a single episode, but I know about the show. Right. Right. So that means it's on some level permeated culture, at least a little bit, because I'm at least aware of some of the characters and the show itself. 
And both yeah. of these actresses have gone on, you know, to be pop stars and cultural icons and just do doing all the things right now. Yeah, the Disney machine is strong, man. Yep. Like, I have to imagine if you, you can get a couple of good gigs with Disney, shoot, that sets up the rest of your career. Right. Well, mine is a little different. Uh, I, on social media, I believe on Monday, saw that YouTube has announced they're going to start closing down unused accounts. So if you have not logged into your YouTube account, and I and I think it's specifically YouTube. I do not believe it was Google accounts. But specifically YouTube accounts, if you haven't logged in, and I believe they said two years, and it was unused, your account's at least on the potential chopping block. Now, I would assume they'll probably start with the ones that are the longest unused and work their way down. Because in terms of Google and YouTube, that's I wouldn't be shocked if that's like a million accounts or something, some gigantic number. So, you know, they may not get around to some of them for a bit. It sounds like it's going to be a process. But what I did see, and I believe it was Renee Ritchie over at YouTube that posted this on Twitter, was that for now, at least, they are going to try not to touch accounts that actually have videos. So... I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of accounts that were just user accounts to watch YouTube or maybe it posted some stuff once upon a time and they deleted some videos or, you know, stuff that maybe was just set to private because there's a lot of people that store stuff on YouTube, you know, that type of thing. So I'm sure they didn't delete anything that's still getting them traffic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because they still get ad money on it. Right. So if you have a channel that's got, I don't know, let's say you had 10 million subscribers and your videos are still getting hundreds of thousands of views a month and you passed away, they ain't going to want to get rid of those because those are still generating money. Right. And, and, you know, it's a grim part of things that we don't talk about much, but that is a reality. You know, we, we pass on for whatever reason, hell, especially during COVID and everything else, but you still have those videos that are still out in the world making a bunch of money. Hell, I'm sure anything on the Bob Ross channel and blah, blah, and all this, the estates are probably still making tons of money from old footage that's up there, right? So I get it. And it did bring up a conversation. And we talked about this a little bit because it's a thing I've always had in the back of my mind. It's like how much free space that Google and YouTube, you know, technically the same company, but Google, Google and YouTube give us just as users that they don't charge for, right? Like people have infinite Gmail accounts. And get infinite Google Drive space. I mean, I literally know people who've set up, signed up for extra accounts to get extra drive space. Oh my god! You know, like because you don't. Because remember, we used to have to pay for like Dropbox or whatever because yeah. that would fill up super fast. But now you can load even with faster loading speeds and stuff to the Google Cloud. And on YouTube, you can just have an account and store your videos. So, like, if you have a cool video but you don't want to lose it and you're out of space on your computer. Just pop it on YouTube. You can have it be unlisted or private, and then it only can be shared with certain people you want to see it or whatever. Like, it's kind of crazy that they give us that much space. But at some point, like, how much are they willing to pay for? Was kind of my question. Because, I and I believe when we looked it up earlier, like, every minute, 500 hours of footage. And this is like middle of 2022, so I don't know what the updated numbers are. But 500 hours of content are being loaded to youtube every minute mind-boggling but then you think about it, yeah it, it makes perfect sense yeah thirty thousand 
hours or 30,000 hours. Like it's just, it's just crazy. Like that's just huge. Every hour, how much content is going on YouTube? Like, and, and that's just there for free. Not only is it there for free, they allow you to monetize it. Right. Like, so they're not just giving you free space. They're giving you free space and then letting you share in the profits from you putting stuff on the free space. Like, so it kind of makes sense that they want to want to get rid of some accounts. But yeah, that was a concern for people because there was a lot of stuff, especially on Twitter, where people were saying, man, you know, this person passed a while ago, but I still watch their videos or I still reference this channel when I need help with, you know, Excel or this or that. So like, it's kind of interesting that that's a thing now that YouTube sort of has to measure. Like, what unused accounts can you actually close that are either costing you money or are just a general benefit, I, I, I guess I could say, to society by existing? It's a weird thing, right? Like, just a weird world. We haven't had to consider some things, but, like, this is where we are. <laughs> like... Shutting down technically an unused account shouldn't really be controversial, but it kind of is. And that's a weird thing to consider. Like at some point, the stuff we've put up, hopefully by the time we pass, we've built reasonable fan bases and have fun and entertaining stuff that are quality references or whatever. That at some point, people will still use. And like, is it wrong for them to want to take it down? Because we're not obligated to it. You know, like it's it's free and it's still technically their space. But like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I don't know. So if there is stuff out there on a channel where, you know, nothing has been loaded to in a couple years or the creators have passed on. It may be worth downloading some pieces just in case, like they're saying they're not going to touch certain things now. And I think they do honestly say that in earnest. I think they believe it. But that's not to say in the future that may not change. Especially once you get into the cycle of maybe they see how much space or how much faster their servers got or whatever, deleting these other accounts. I don't know. But something to keep in mind, it's out there. I just figured people should know. But let's get into the topics of the week because we have a couple of good ones. So, yeah, we talked previously about the stuff that went on at Blizzards and went on at Riot and the court cases and all that stuff. But we just saw the settlement come through on Riot Games for $100 million. They're going to have to pay that. Well, $20 million goes to lawyers and legal fees because, you know, that's how it always goes. But the other $80 million is going to be paid out over almost 1,500 women. Uh, I've heard some of them will get a significant amount of money. Uh, up to potentially six figures. And I think depends on like their tenure and some other stuff or whatever. But the average per woman in the case is going to be about fifty to $54,000 uh, per claimant, I guess. I don't want to call them defendants because it's not, it was, a, it was a class action settlement. But yeah, it's kind of, kind of wild that this, like, I don't know. It's, it, on the one hand, it's like, okay, a company like Riot, eh, $100 million's not really that much money. But it is enough to cause a dent to where it could affect your profits for the year. And that's kind of all these big companies respond to is if you can hurt them for even one or two percent, all of a sudden it's like, ah, OK, we, we need to fix this because we can't have this happen again. Yeah. And what's sad is we still, you know, don't have numbers on how many senior officials that either were involved in this 
conduct or at minimum knew about this conduct, did nothing to stop it or possibly enabled it, have lost their jobs. There are a couple of several problematic people that we haven't really heard anything. And I think that the guy who apparently was 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 grabbing men by the genitalia and in some cases, well, for lack of a better term, passing gas on people intentionally, somehow is still there. Yeah, that's wild to me. Like I I he I mean they must just think he is incredibly just they must feel like they just can't do a League of Legends without him, I guess. Whether that's true or not, I guess enough people feel that way that he was was allowed to keep that job. I'm just saying, dog, you crop dust people enough in the office, I'm firing you anyway. Before you even get to grabbing crotches. You know what I mean? Like that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't imagine how valuable he is convinced somebody, or apparently several somebodies, that he is to the company to to be able to escape this unscathed. Just also, to, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like for people who don't know, this this whole thing is about gender discrimination, sexual harassment, assault, like a whole bunch of stuff that was going on. Like so, and it's all out there if you want to research the court case. Yeah, like, there's links and I mean, to the reports are just. Yeah, dude. It triggered just multiple trigger warnings. I'm oh, talking for about sure. Just, for sure. Between this and, and the Blizzard one's worse. We, we're talking about how just you, you're reading this and you just can't believe this many things were allowed to happen at a allegedly modern technology company. Just. Dude, I've said it before, but like. It was reading through each of these documents. Now, I will say, Riot was bad. Not as bad as Blizzard, but still bad. But it feels like you read through these things, and you're like, ah, that's effed up. And then, like, the next thing, you're like, ooh, that's more effed up. Then you read the next thing, it's like, ah, that's even more effed up. Like, it just, like, escalates. Like, it's crazy. And I'm with you. To think that that was even a thing in anybody's office today is wild. Like, to the point... That, and I'm not even exaggerating, especially from the Blizzard stuff. Like, if you, at any point, I'm thinking about, like, doing stuff with the Chamber of Commerce, doing stuff with, with Wizards or with Card Kingdom or whoever, right? Hell, sponsored people I've worked with. Like, if I had been in any of their offices and somebody comes up and goes like, hey, man, we're going to go cat call the ladies on the second floor or we're going to go hang out in this office and play video games and talk crap about so-and-so instead of working today. Or we're going to send, I don't know, pictures of my junk to, to this other person. Like you should send something too. whatever. Like what? Like for real? Like, and these are things on record uh, that have happened. It's crazy. And nobody, and the thing is, I'm assuming there's real because there's been nothing denying it, and the people have won their settlements very right, easily. Right, because if you would, if you had been accused of this stuff and you didn't do it, you, you would absolutely no, hell no, I, I deny, oh. deny, deny, and no, it's. I guarantee true. you, most of those women are probably smart enough that they probably downloaded and said, "Nope, I'm saving evidence." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this, this is too effed up. I don't need to put up with this. I'm gonna make sure when I go forward, I got proof. And when it's not just. One person, but enough people that the settlement numbers in a hundred million dollars, then yeah, 
where there's where, where there are that many complaints, you know, stuff has gotten completely Dude, out of control. Not even counting Blizzard, the riot case alone was almost fifteen hundred women. It was a thousand four hundred, I think, like seventy nine or something like that. But like almost fifteen hundred people. Like that's that's unreal. Like, don't be wrong. I expect bad people are going to do bad things, and we're humans, and some of us are stupid or whatever. So if you'd have been like. All right, there's one or two people in charge that abuse their power, and there's these, like, I don't know, let's say 10 or 15 women that felt wrong by this person. I'd be like, still wrong, but I get it. People, bad people do bad things. But at 1,500? That's crazy. <laughs> like, that's unreal. This is what women have to deal with in this industry every day. So for anybody that's like, oh, well, you got $50,000. $50,000 is nothing in terms of, let's say, because one of the things they got in trouble for is not promoting women. Yeah. There was a case where a, a woman asked about her career trajectory and guy basically told her, that, well, you know, I just, I, I just couldn't see a guy being my assistant, so I'd just like you to stay here. Frequently admitting that she's qualified to do something else, but no, I'd like a cute female assistant, so yeah, you're going to stay in this job, regardless of what you're qualified for. Yeah, it's, that's to, just to, in, in this day and age, to actually utter those words out loud, it's just the level of privilege is just beyond anything you could imagine. But, dude, I think that's what I found bonkers about both these cases. And both settlements were, were tons of money. But, like, how did people do this in their workplaces and not even blink? Like you just, and not even being secretive and on in, that's the thing that gets, it's not like, Oh, when so you keep so, doing terrible things and you serve a, you, you get no punishment. Some people just, okay, let me push you up a little further. Yeah. Let me push you up a little, a little further. And then the next thing, you know, you're good. You're doing, you're basically doing pub crawls through people's cubicles. Just, I mean, it's crazy. Right. Cause I'm thinking, it's one thing if you tell me, oh, so-and-so sent an inappropriate text or whatever, or, you know, a co-worker got invited to this party and something bad happened. or Because, like, again, bad things happen. You all probably worked at some company where something yeah. along those lines happened. But, but the fact that there, it's just happening in the open yeah. at work, and people are just sending emails with stuff and just, like, saying stuff in the middle of the room, you know, posting pictures places, on the on the bulletin board. Yeah. Like, like what? Most places, these are isolated incidents. but. In this case, 1,500 people. And, and that's just the number, I guess, that'll, that'll get a settlement. You know if 1,500 people had a complaint, there's probably far more because this oh, went yeah. on for years, apparently. And, and the thing, too, I think to one of your earlier points, is not even so much that people did or didn't do stuff or whatever. It's like people had to know and didn't say anything. So, like, while Riot and the, the higher-ups and whatever are being, you know, having to pay for this or whatever, but, like, what about all those other people that work there and just did never said anything, never went... Hell, even if you don't want to talk to somebody in the company, at least make somebody in the state aware in, like, one of the higher offices or whatever, right? And just be like, hey, our company needs to be investigated because, like, I got some stuff I've been seeing every day at work for the last, like, three months that I know ain't right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, even if you want to do it secretively and be a whistleblower, not, like, let them know. I, I mean, I don't know, man. Maybe it's a morals, it's a scrupulous, but I, 
it's crazy to read those things that that are in these documents and just know that like that just went down and nobody did anything about it for years. It's not even like under the watch of this one person for like six months or whatever. Like this was multiple years of stuff going down, which is crazy. Now, the other good news, other than just the money being paid to these these uh, members, is that they have actually shown improvement on getting women into more important positions and getting them on more committees and hiring more. So I believe the numbers are up to like more than a quarter of the company now is in key positions or whatever as non-males. So that's actually good news. I think it was at like 26.7%. You know, they have a diversity officer that's been apparently doing regular surveys, checking up on things in the office, submitting reports quarterly to the board. So they're at least making steps in addition to just paying the money. It's not like, hey, we're paying the money, we're good. Like they're at least making steps in the right direction. And uh, the, I don't know if he was a CEO, last name Laurent, L-A-U-R-E-N-T. He apparently also had an additional case against him for harassment, I think against a secretary. But he's now stepped down or been removed or whatever you want to call it. So he's not there anymore. So they're at least making some efforts. And I think like all things, we kind of have to go, okay, let's acknowledge the good things that are happening. But we're going to keep an eye on you. You know what I mean? Like, let's look a year from now and see, did culture really start changing or whatever? But they're they're at least trying now. But... Man, that's a lot to have to change. It's it's not going to be easy. But anyway, I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings for a second. And I bring this up because a couple episodes ago, you know, we were talking about the crossover product, obviously coming from Magic and the One Ring and all that stuff. But one of the things that's interesting, and I brought this up because I remember having to try to do some work with the owners of the Godzilla license once upon a time. And I know how much hassle that was. And Lord of the Rings is even bigger than that. So I can only imagine the Tolkien estate was, I don't want to say problematic to deal with, but more controlling of the brand. It's probably a more accurate way to put it. And I can't talk about some projects yet, but there's some things behind the scenes that have come up where it turns out I was right. They actually don't even want you to cross-reference their characters with other brands. So while we know that Frodo and Bilbo or whatever are going to be on Lord of the Rings cards for Magic the Gathering, and those cards will be played with other things in Magic, they if you're doing an official or sponsored thing, they don't even want you like joking about, well, Frodo's going to ride this Shivan Dragon into battle and do whatever, right? Like, uh, I don't know, the... Mother of Runes is going to protect Bilbo from whatever. They, they don't even want those narratives. It's like, you, you're you using our brand for this product. You will talk about our brand, and that is it. <laughs> right? And that kind of brought up another thought, because have you ever seen anything else where Lord of the Rings has crossed over with another product? I can't think of anything. I mean, it may like... exist, but I couldn't think of one either. And that, and I was like, oh man, maybe this is why. Like, I, and other than the license just being crazy expensive, I mean, I'm sure only a handful of companies, and one of them being Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast, probably can even afford to partner with Lord of the Rings, especially at this point after the resurgence of the movies and all that. Like, it's probably a crazy license to even get your hands on. But I found that very interesting that 
I, I'm assuming it's the Tolkien estate, would agree to let their characters and license be used with another brand, especially one as big as Magic, you know, and you have to know what they're making or you wouldn't even let them agree to use it. And then say, but you can't talk about your characters with our characters. Like, that feels very weird. Like, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know if they're going to agree to pay you. Man, I don't even know what the number would be. I don't even want to make up a number because it's probably wrong. But it's it's got to be multiple millions for sure. I just don't know what, what that number is. But I mean, I guess if the other people are cool playing by your rules and still paying you the, the millions, then I ain't. Go crazy, brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, but it's weird to know that like one of these products I'm or projects I'm going to be working with in a couple of weeks, you can't like we're having to be aware to like, hey, this is an official thing. We can't say these terms or these phrases or use this this way. Like, we have to keep it all Lord of the Rings centric. Like, it's just God, it sounds so unfun. <laughs> even, even to the point that if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know this to be, but I don't think we're even going to be allowed to like cosplay if we wanted to. Oh my god! During the thing, unless it was officially known, licensed that like we're gonna do things a very specific way, you know, whatever. Like you have to go to the nth degree to even get clearance to do it. So yeah, I don't even think we could do that as as part of the promotion. I don't think, which is wild. Like because I knew there, and then like I said, I had a feeling it was gonna be that way. But it was kind of interesting to see to the level that they are concerned, because I wouldn't even have thought like talking about Nissa and Gandalf or whatever. And like, I don't know, skipping down the thing to go fight the Balrog or whatever would have been a problem. But apparently it is. So there you go. I just thought that was an interesting story to share that uh, we were right. <laughs> it's even more restrictive than I thought it was. Uh, just a quick little note. Uh, the Magic Arena Championship, Championship 3, I should say, is coming up next weekend. So May 27, 28. You get to watch people get online on Arena and battle and compete for a first prize of, I believe, $30,000 with all the way down to 30 seconds, still getting 1500 bucks. So there's a lot of loot to be had. And this is kind of cool that players are just going to get to play from home, play some Magic Arena, possibly get to cash out some big checks and on top of that you still get qualified for the world championship and there's there's some other stuff at stake as well but what well really two things here one the wizards is being a little better about promoting stuff i'm seeing a few more things pop up on things i'm seeing some of their uh people involved with like the casting team or whatever talking about it so that's cool but also we're starting to see a few more things where people are getting excited talking about tournaments and results again the Magic Online Championship Series, I believe, is this weekend. So that's getting a little extra talk and discussion. We're seeing people post their deck list from going to their local RCQs. People talking about Pioneer Championships online. like, And I don't know, maybe this is that whole, like, we're pushing past peak COVID and now people are going out and trying things again. Maybe people that have only been playing Magic during the pandemic have now decided they want to put together some paper decks and go try to play in person. But it's kind of cool. To see that we're getting back to people that need that competitive itch scratch that is still out there, still opportunities, and it's meaningful to people. Both in the reward of just going to meet people and play in person, but 
prizes are legit. You know, so credit to Wizards, I guess, here, because they did say, like, hey, we're we're going to still be putting money forward. We still have these ideas, some things we want to do. And we're kind of slowly starting to see that come to fruition. We knew it was going to take a little while, but we're starting to move back down that road. And I sort of feel like this is another one of those spots where, like, you know, when somebody messes up, we want to talk bad about them. But when things are working, we also have to kind of praise that so we get more of that thing. And I, I feel like we're in a, at least in a reasonably solid place right now for competitive play. Like, could there still be a little more? Sure. Could coverage be a little better? Sure. Right. There's some things there, but we're at least making steps in the right direction. And I feel pretty good about it. And I'm not even playing a lot of the hell. I've commentated more events than I've even tried to play in the last couple of years. But now even I'm thinking like, you know what? Let me look up the RCQ schedule locally. Can I put together a deck? And, you know, between that and the standard news, I'm kind of like. Wait, is, is Captain Freedom possibly about to come, come out of retirement? Maybe, you know, because I'm just saying, like, it's it's starting to feel that way a little bit. And that's and that's good, right? That's what they want. Like, you see enough of it. You see people talking about it. Your friends are getting back into it. And you're like, you know, maybe we do take a road trip across across the city yeah, or, the something or in the basement there mick yeah exactly so maybe maybe that's what we're getting back to but yeah arena championships and what i like about it too is they have kept an established like magic online still has things arena still has things the paper circuit still has things so however you engage with magic there's still an entry point and a payoff point for everybody. And that's pretty cool. I'd say the paper entry point isn't as strong right now, but they at least have shown they have a plan for standard, right? To at least get it there. So yeah, right now I'm on board. But yeah, if you didn't know those events were happening, check them out. I think it could be pretty interesting if nothing else. And that moves us to another card game. Star Wars, which we did mention last week or the week before, but yeah, Star Wars Unlimited. We got kind of our first bit of news, and I don't know, how do you feel about it, Brian, from what we've seen so far? Because we've seen, what, like six or seven cards and kind of yeah. the bare bones rules, I guess? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited, and uh, one of the things they mentioned is that kind of, I guess, on your, even while it's your turn, it's going to be a situation where you play something, your opponent will immediately have a chance to respond to a thing, even though it's your turn, they really want to be like, okay, very, very interactive, very, hey, if uh, somebody pulls a blaster on you, hey, wait, I'm drawing my lightsaber right now. Don't do that. We got, you know. Unless you played Hanshot first. Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you. I Like, and this is what I tell people. Like, for me, I always look at a game first. Whether I'm a fan or not a fan or whatever, of branding or whatever. It's just like, it does look kind of simplistic. But at the same time, we've only seen a handful of cards. And those, for all I know, could just be cards right out of the starter set that are designed to be super basic, right? To just onboard you with the rules. And then, you, like all games, you buy packs and get the more complicated cards. And then there are also two different zones. So that's going to apparently add another little... Like there's, there's a ground zone and a, I guess, space zone. And in, at any given time, things are happening in both places. And some characters will have... You know, some people will deploy to the ground. Some people will deploy into space. And then, of course, I'm sure people like Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are going to be able to do both of those things because they're both excellent pilots. You know, I'm sure Han Solo, probably same thing. And it'll be, I'm sure, Han Solo shooting first and also Han being the best pilot in the galaxy or whatever. And I, and I think that's where the strategy can come in, right? On the deck building of 
how focused am I going to be on one or the other? Because the way I understand it, we will have bases that we're defending. Though we haven't seen a base card yet, I don't think. I couldn't find one anywhere. So there will be something you were defending, a la, what, like Legends of the Five Rings, where you had like the three shrines, but this time it'll just be one base that I guess is going to take some amount of damage over the course of the game. Goal, apparently, is to destroy your opponent's base before they get to yours. Yeah, and those will have some amount of hit points, I guess. And then each person will also get a character card. Now, again, from a deck-building balance perspective, hopefully all the Jedi or Force-based characters aren't the most powerful ones, because otherwise we'll just see everybody playing those. But if they are powerful, but you get a restriction in deck-building or something, that could be kind of cool. Right? Like, if you choose to play, like you're saying, like Luke or, or Vader, but maybe you only get or maybe your deck has to be so many more cards or something, or, you know, you can only play bases that have up to so many hit points or something, right? Then that could be kind of a neat way to balance it out. It's like you get a more powerful character, but you're also, you know, playing at a handicap because maybe you can only play 20-point bases. Where else playing not all skilled pilots either. Like, Luke, Luke and Vader both are, but not every Force user is skilled at being a pilot. So maybe you're dominant on the ground, but that leader really doesn't do as much toward what's happening in space. Yeah, also true. You know, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, as we see more cards, I feel like that'll help fill that. That's why I think the stuff we saw early were just... I think they were saying, okay, here's just to give you an idea of what the cards look like. There's some power toughness. There's a cost. So you get an idea of how it works and we can show you some of the artwork, you know, because the artwork is very much like we talked about for us, like old, like 70s, 80s throwback style art that they're going for original stuff. There's none of the new things I've seen depicted in any of it. It's the original Star Wars license that's being at least right now, not to say that, you know, there won't be other stuff. And I'm sure if the license is popular enough, they'll, you know fifth or sixth set of you'll probably get a darth maul and you know they'll they'll work those in there and also star wars is always you know especially now we see the rise of shows like andor and the mandalorian there's a whole lot of espionage going on behind the scenes somebody like okay because obviously yeah you're you're the resistance you can't beat the empire straight up but let's say maybe han just needs to smuggle something to the edge of the galaxy to win the game and it's for this particular thing that he's doing yeah, and you know, now that I'm thinking about it, another thing I will say about this is it at least, at least from what we know so far, again, we're kind of speculating on some things, but it at least feels like this version of a Star Wars card game hits more of a middle ground. Because I feel like we've had ones that are super complicated, yeah. which were just not fun. Like the original one, I think you had like different, you had like a force pile, a discard pile, blah, blah. There was like three or four piles of rotating cards between. Yeah. And then you go all the way to the other side where you had, was it young Jedi or whatever that was basically playing war with like the middle three star Wars movies, characters or whatever. So it's like, eh, you know, this feels like you're saying it was good for absolutely nothing. Sing it again. (laughs) Yeah, basically, you know, and and again, the images were cool. And if you were a star Wars fan, it was probably fun to collect, but the game wasn't very good. And I feel like this at least feels like, it will be at least simple enough that you could figure it out, but hopefully have enough play, like you're saying, between the different zones and the character choices and whatever, that it could have enough variability that you could talk about like different deck types, right? Like, do you want to play a all ground force deck? Do you want to, I don't know, protect a base on Tatooine with this theme character that's really cool to Star Wars fans or whatever, right? It feels like there's some neat stuff you could do if the game is built out right. So, while I'm not a Star Wars fan, 
I'm at least reserving judgment for now because I think it could have an opportunity to be a decent game. But and you just got to think about man, what if all these things hit? What if Lorcana is as good as we think it could be? What if Star? What we, this really could be a goal. And of course, you know, Magic is not going anyplace. Yu-Gi-Oh, not going anyplace. Flesh and Blood, I think, is still out there doing reasonably yep. well. Pokemon still making money. Yeah. So I mean, this just could be a great time where a lot of people, a lot of people come into the hobby and just, but you know we're here. I will say this: you bring up another point though that. As we move into middle of summer, we hell, we've already started some of the, the Doctor Who hype for Magic, but obviously it's going to be Lord of the Rings here in like another six or eight weeks, right? So that's going to be a big bit of news for Magic. Like, you obviously have Lorcana hitting. That's going to eat up a ton of money from not just people, but from retailers that can even sell your stuff, right? Because their money's going to be tied up in other things. Like, I don't know what the good window is for Star Wars to get the most press and exposure. So it's going so to have to be kind of the 800 pound gorilla. Like it's good. As we see, it's going to get coverage. Oh, as a license. Yes. But are you getting the locals to support it? Run tournaments. It, honestly, just spend money on inventory on it. Cause I'll tell you right now, everybody like Lorcana is just going to be the unobtainium that everybody's trying to spend piles of money on to get right now. Yeah. So that's the only concern I have for it. Like, cause I think the license is going to carry you to at least a few ten million dollars in sales or whatever, right? Because it's Star Wars. It's, it's gotta. Yes, I'd be see, surprised. There are people. You no, know, there's there's people that love Star Wars. You care less about any of these other properties. There's people that. So it's obviously if Star Wars, and, and we all know who those people are. Oh, for <laughs> sure. You you got a, a friend that hey they they watch a little bit of the trilogy every night before they go to sleep. Star Wars is their number one thing. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think there's enough people out there that'll at least carry you through the first level. But for the longevity's sake, you got to crack into the market, you know, at the local level and all that, or at, even at conventions at this point, you know, so it'd be interesting, but it at least looks like it could have a shot, but I got to see more first before I'm like really on board or not, but it at least, at least looks promising. But that brings us to our dinner table conversation. And this one, I think everybody's going to feel some kind of way about it. But I kind of want to address the phrase, not everything creators do should be about making money. And mostly because I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. And... I will say, I at least, and I don't know how you feel, but I at least partially agree. In the sense that, like, sometimes you just need to use your reach for good, right? Where that's helping somebody out, doing a charity thing, whatever, right? That's just kind of par for the course, just a good thing you should probably do. Even if you don't also, do it. Also, it's important to actually be enjoying whatever the thing is. That oh, you're for doing, sure. Even if I agree with that too. Because you, you, you sometimes you you can hit a point where, I mean, it's you for sure heard the saying: all the money in the world cannot buy you a single second of time. Yep, that's for <laughs> if real. You, if if you get to the end of the road, you look back and you just did a bunch of videos that you really didn't enjoy doing, or you did a bunch of things just because you were paid a certain amount and again really didn't you know that, that wasn't what you and, and we've we've seen so many people do it we've seen markiplier for example is apparently making movies and documentaries and stuff now because yeah. he, he's got enough money to where he can pursue 
passion projects. We're seeing creators are making their own video games now. Yep. But dude, think about it. If you're one of those people that you've been making, I don't know, 50 to $100 million a year for the last 10 years, you got a little bank to go do some projects. And I think everybody, you know, every actor, I think, has that dream role. You know, every singer has probably that, 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 that album they want to do that they don't care whether it sells or not. Maybe they've always wanted to do a bunch of Carpenters covers and they don't care if anybody buys it, just something they've always wanted to do. Now they have the money and the presence to well, do dude, it. You know, of- a, a good example is like Kobe Bryant, right? Like insane basketball career dude literally made hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars. But first thing he wanted to do when he retired was I want to make kids animated stuff. You know, like of all the things you're like, oh, this dude, he's traveled the world. He's on this. He's renowned everywhere. Like he made, you know, sponsored 20 different ways, whatever. Wants to make animated kid stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's that's so wild that, you know, everybody has that thing. Because I think we all went through that period. You know, I don't want to say all, but I, mean, I was a fair amount of us that grew up when Saturday morning cartoons were a thing. Remember, that was that you just really looked forward to that time. Yeah, Sure. I obviously can watch any cartoon I want to anytime, but it's not the same feeling as you just getting excited about, hey, Super Friends, whatever time they put Super Friends on, I would get up at that time. Sure. School, I'd fight you and still be falling asleep, but Super Friends at 6.30 a.m. Central Time, I'm up at 6.30 a.m. trying to find out how they beat Darkseid. With the bowl of Fruity Pebbles. Right? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I will say this, though, right? Like, even to get to that goal, though, they have to be doing things that allow them to get there. And that does mean you have to make money. And and it's tough because usually, and I, and I say usually because obviously nothing's 100%, but usually when you hear somebody use that type of phrase of like, well, not everything you do needs to be about making money or whatever. It's usually in response to a thing they want you to do at least speaking from the side of a creator, them wanting you to do the thing that you know doesn't make you much money, if any money, and you've expressed that, but they still want you to do the thing and it shouldn't have to matter the money it's going to make. And the the thing I can relate that to is running the game store. And if you were to talk to the players, they always wanted the thing they were into to be the cheap, free, loss leader, whatever, and want you to make money off the other stuff. So like your Warhammer players say, ah, well, you know, you could bring down your price into this and tournaments could be cheaper and you could just make your money off the Magic players. But then the Magic players say, well, you shouldn't make any money off Friday Night Magic or off of tournaments or whatever. You can can make your money off the the D&D players, right? And the D&D players are like, well, yeah, the book should be 20% cheaper and you shouldn't be worrying about profiting from books because we'll come in and play and we'll buy dice or whatever. Like you should make your money off... Off of the the Pokemon players, right? And it's just every group was just you know. And eventually, you come all the way back around, and I'm going, well, we know Warhammer miniatures are worth money, so you should make your plenty of money off the Warhammer guys, right? And it's just a full circle. So if it was up to them, everybody would have you making no money, you know. Ultimately, if you listen to everybody, but what I try to do is I try to equate it to people's day job. We all do something at our jobs that don't make much money, or if any money for us, right? Like you might be tasked with I don't know, putting on the company party. It's like, eh, you know, you get a little committee of two or three people that doesn't really pay anything, but you win some favor with people. So, okay, it's it's worth it, I guess. 
And then, you know, a couple of weeks after the party, they're like, hey, you did such a good job organizing. Would you matter putting together some some training stuff for the for the new hires or whatever? All right. That takes you away from the other thing you're good at or could get you a promotion or whatever. But, yeah, I'll do this thing or whatever. But before you know it, you've done five, six, seven things that all don't make you any money. Right. They didn't necessarily move you forward. Like, did they help with maybe putting you in a better light with people? Like, yeah, maybe. But they didn't help you get that extra down payment on your car or house or help make it any easier for your kids to go to college. And I think it's a lot of the same, right? Like, yeah, and people understand it. I think when their boss tells them, like, why well, are you concerned about how much money you're making? Because I'm not making that much. Exactly. Right. And then you understand it. And I think it comes back to that same thing of, yeah, it's nice for creators to do some of those other things. And yeah, we should from time to time. But I also understand that everybody's situation is individual and they can't necessarily afford to do that. Because, you know, like you said, time, we can't get back. And if you're spending time on something that's not making you money or moving you forward, you have to really want to do that almost as like a passion project more than anything yeah. else. And even if it's just the money, you also don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on something that you know n- not as many people are going to enjoy. And at, at a certain point, we've seen a bunch of numbers. We know which videos I've had to discuss this with people. We know which videos are going to do something. And which video, and I've had people pitch me videos, and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. That just, that I already know that that's not going to move the needle. Oh, dude. Yeah. You can't even convince me to be interested in it as we're talking. And so I'm not going to commit to doing a video on it. Dude, same. And for me, I can even say, even on magic videos, when we get to the fall rotation, which I guess we won't have this year, which would be weird. But (laughs) when we get to the fall rotation, I would do some number of videos to update the free decks to a budget level. So if you just started, it's a resource, whatever. And those take a decent amount of time because I have to like break down the bad decks, figure out what cards put into them, try to keep them within a certain budget of cards or whatever. And I did that for the first couple of times, 10 times, because there was 10 decks. So that literally was a better part of like, three or four days of just like messing with stuff, getting the videos edited, getting them up, whatever. And those were not great videos for views. But I also understood that the people that needed them did really appreciate them. So like it took time away from things that were going to make real money, but I was kind of doing it as a community effort. Hopefully I get a couple of loyal viewers out of it, whatever. But the last couple of times I was just, you know what? I'm just going to do like four or five decks. Like the ones I think that have the best shot of helping somebody play something decent. And that's it. You know, and people ask like, oh, are you going to do one for this deck? It's like, I I just can't. I don't have the time. It doesn't make logical sense for me to do it. You know, I'm sorry. I apologize. But like, what are you supposed to do? You know? And I know they feel bad because like, well, you did these other ones. Why aren't you doing this one? It's like, I, I had to pick and choose. You yeah, know, like there's only one of you and there's only 24 hours of the day. Yeah. So I did the ones that I thought had the best chance of return and was going to appeal to the most people. And that's that's all I can do. But it, it feels bad for people when you say like, well, it just doesn't make monetary sense, you know, or financial sense. But that comes all the way down to like, are you doing it yourself? Do you have extra time? Do you have editors? Do you whatever? Right. Is is it something you're going to be dedicated to on your channel? Because if not, SEO is going to get and blown some up. decks, yeah. unfortunately, just aren't as strong as other decks, no matter what you do. Oh, sure. But, you know, everything that happens, people are like, oh, you should be talking about this on your podcast. Are you going to do a video for this on, on your YouTube channel? Like, we just can't. 
Some things we just don't have time for. We have to research things. Hell, even for me to keep show notes up to date for the week, I'm like, I'll try to make sure I share links with you so you can know what we're talking about or whatever, right? Everything takes some amount of time. And it's tough. So, I mean, while... And, you know, sometimes news breaks, like, right before, like, well, something, you know, yeah. something's got to go, because... Uh, hey, like was it last uh, the last week the standard stuff came like right? <laughs> yeah, that was like right before we the were morning of something. or something. Yeah. yeah. So you know stuff like that happens, and and it's just we got to choose what's the most interesting, what makes the most sense, and yeah, and at the end of the day, it kind of is a money decision, even if it's not directly money. It's this is the thing we think matters more to our listeners, yeah. and we put it out there. But it, it's it's tough, and and I get the feeling. I understand. Yeah, y'all, I I sure enjoy slightly longer podcast. We're not trying to be up here for three, four hours. Yeah. You know, and I I do totally get why people feel the way they do, because when you hear that, it almost feels like it's diminishing your feelings and your want of like you're saying I only matter because of money. And when I don't matter because of money, you don't want to make the thing I like. But at the same time, it's not really that it's the creator saying like, I appreciate you and it's cool that you shared that with me and I would love to make that, but you're asking me to take money off my plate to do that. And And time. If we asked, you know, out of, uh, out of a thousand people about listening to this podcast, if we asked each one of them, what's one thing, everybody would have a thing they'd like to to hear more about. We can't logically do a thousand topic podcast. And, And that's the tough part. Because you're right. It's not just the time. It's also, or the money. It's also the time. And it's nothing against the individual person. It's not that we don't like you. It's not that we don't, sometimes it's not even that we don't even like the idea. We just know what works or doesn't. And there's just not a place for it in our cycle of content, unfortunately. But I did think it was something that we at least needed to talk about and address. Because it's something I see come up, not a lot, but I would say a few times a year. I see people throw that out there. And it's like, yeah, but depending on each individual situation, they can't afford to do on a bad month. You know, hell, we've seen people have a bad month and they are like, well, I just, I got to go get a real job. I can't even make content no more. Yeah. You know, like, so depending on what people's situations are, yeah, for some people, it does have to be about the money. I'm fortunate in a situation, at least I have a little wiggle room, but not everybody has that. We would love it to be independently wealthy, but hey, we ain't there yet. Yep. Want everybody where they can find you on social media, Brian. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. And hopefully if you follow me on socials, I'll be able to announce some cool news over the next uh, couple of weeks. And you might even see Ryan Reynolds show up on one of my YouTube videos, probably before the next podcast. So there you go. There's that. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. And most importantly, remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 